The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month, I welcome Jonathan Kellerman. Jonathan is a partner at Stone Turn and a former CCO at Allergan. Over the four episodes, we begin with why Jonathan chose compliance. He grew up in a family of doctors, yet gravitated to consulting practice around healthcare services. His early professional career in consulting and building out compliance programs in healthcare. His move to the CCO chair at Allergan, some of the lessons learned and key initiatives. And we conclude with what's next for compliance as we look down the road as Jonathan sees compliance at a crossroads. It's a fascinating four-part exploration. I know you'll enjoy it. In this concluding part four, we take a look at what's down the road for compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our fourth and final episode of this month's The Compliance Life. This month, we're visiting with Jonathan Kellerman. He is now a partner at Stone Turn. He's former chief compliance officer at Allergan. And Jonathan, first of all, welcome back. Thank you, Tom, for having me. This has been a, this has been a fun ride. I enjoy talking to all of your listeners about uh, compliance. Thank you for the opportunity. Could I even suggest you like talking? I do a little bit. <laughs> I, I tend to geek out a little bit when it comes to what I do for a profession. So yes, thank you. Thank you for giving me a platform and some of your time. <laughs> it's been my pleasure as well. Jonathan, uh, you've now moved to Stone Turn. And I was wondering what uh, you hope to bring in terms of an advisory practices or services or really innovation to the compliance, um, I guess, advisory practice survey. Yeah, I think first and foremost, um, you know, one of the objectives I have coming to Stone Turn is, is that I want to be a different kind of compliance advisor to chief compliance officers, to boards of directors, um, to industry executives, and to the, and to the councils that they use as well. Um, I want to bring the practical experience that I've had uh, over the last you know, six, seven years at, at Allergan in, in a very innovative and progressive way of building compliance and evolving compliance in a highly, highly productive way. I want to bring that real-time experience and that clout and credibility and marry it up with the 20 years that I spent as a partner at PwC you know, helping advise a wide range, right away, wide array of uh, clients uh, on you know multitude of complex compliance issues, from design and implementation to you know very tactical issues like dealing with things like spend transparency or privacy or you know investigations, etc. So I want to marry those two things, but it's so important I think to be able to say I've walked in your shoes, I, I've been where you are as a chief compliance officer, you know that. You know, if you have to go do a presentation to the board, I've done that. And I, you know, I can give you the insights of what has worked well and what hasn't. Um, and I think what allows what Stone Turn is giving me is a, a platform to do that differently than many of our competitors. You know, there are not many partners out there who can say, you know, they've walked in the chief compliance officer's shoes. And, you know, for, you know, every day for many, many years, uh, like I have at a highly active global company, 
you know, with a footprint in over 150 countries, you know, there are not a lot of partners out there or providers out there, uh, consultants that, you know, regularly presented to a board of directors or negotiated directly at the table with regulators, uh, ran large, complex, you know, uh, compliance investigation, stood up on stage in front of thousands of sales reps and marketing people to talk about compliance and working with the business, or, you know, worked really hand in hand with the chief commercial officer to launch uh, products and bring products to market. Plus, you know, add to that the innovation that I was able to, to do at, at, at Allergan, you know, under Brent's uh, tutelage there, really in terms of what we did around data analytics that we talked about on our last episode. Uh, also, you know, being able to redesign commercial operations for a digital, social, and virtual engagement world. Um, and then transforming how our compliance standards and training are being provided, um, you know, to people in a much more impactful and effective way. So I now like to maybe turn uh, to where you see compliance going into the future and, and really tie it into some of the innovations you want to bring to a consulting practice. And I've heard you say that you feel compliance is really at a crossroads today. Where will that lead us in 2025 or perhaps even uh, to 2030? Yes, I feel very strongly about this. As people know that when they talk with me about it, I think I think there is a window of opportunity right now that is open for compliance as a profession um, to redefine itself and redefine its functionality and its value uh, as a you know global support function. But more importantly, for the first time in a long time, I think we as a compliance profession have the opportunity to um, take control of the narrative a little bit differently. You know, traditionally, compliance has been very reactive to what has happened from a regulator perspective, and the government has in many ways dictated what, you know, quote unquote, good compliance looks like. And I think we are at a unique crossroads right now, a juncture where the commercial model is changing in a very significant way, um, you know, and, and technology is advancing at such a fast pace. And the options and opportunities available to us as compliance professionals are very robust. And we can control that narrative on how we want to define compliance, um, you know, going forward. You know, we can't underscore the impact the pandemic has had, not only on business in general, but on compliance as a profession. Um, in many ways, this pandemic has served to significantly accelerate key changes to the commercial and even the medical and R&D models. And by doing so, it changes how compliance needs to support them. And these are things that I've said were gonna occur anyway, that the commercial model was destined to change away from the traditional way of engaging with customers and, and with, with patients. Um, but in many ways, you know, the, the, the COVID pandemic was you know, through the fire on the flame and really accelerated that because now we have to think about virtual engagements. We have to think about leveraging digital platforms and social media in a very, very different and productive way. We have to think about um, how we use data and technology in a more efficient and effective way. And I think now is the time as compliance professionals, we have to redefine how we're going to add value to the business. Because if we stay uh, mired in kind of this audit mentality, if we stay in this testing mentality, if we stay in this rules-based telling you what you can and can't do mentality, we lose our value going forward. And I think the compliance profession will be minimized very significantly in the future. I think now if we focus on other elements, we can add a tremendous amount of value as a, as a business enabler going forward. 
One of the most prescient things I heard over the past year around the pandemic was that we used to have disaster recovery, that moved to business continuity, and now simply business as usual. Do you see this pace of change? And then the other prescient thing I heard, or number two on that list rather, was uh, we have um, had three to five years of change in one year. And do you see that rate of change, that speed of change, uh, making every change really just business as usual, really no matter what the risk is? And I'm going to point today to, uh, in my lifetime, I've never had a sh- seen a ship block the Suez Canal. <laughs> and they're talking about losses, uh, business losses in Houston in the energy space. So uh, something that I never would have dreamed of can be a... Uh, a business risk. And can compliance be set up to not only uh, prepare for those risks, but manage them if they do manifest? Yes. And I think you're right. I think saying that in many ways, um, you know, what has happened in one year would have happened over the course of the next five years. I think that's a a very astute way of putting it. But I also think it's astute to say that this is the new norm. Uh, What we have learned is not only can we function in a hybrid world or a, a much more virtual world, but we can actually do it in a very, very effective way. And in many ways, in a much more cost-effective way. Um, and the old model of always having to be in person and always having to you know, pay for travel and being away from home um, and aggregating a bunch of people together, th- that model is changing. And the new norm will look a lot more like what's happened over the last year in terms of everything from how patients are recruited for clinical trials all the way to how we set up advisory boards and, and, and speaker programs and, uh, you know, congresses and things like that. And because of that, you know, you add to that this concept of data analytics and, and, and the insight you can gain from data more predictably, but also the advances in technology, um, you know, and in particular, you know, digital transformations that companies are going through, leveraging social media platforms and digital platforms changes the risk profile. The, 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 you know, the ultimate risk at the end of the day is still how do you engage with customers? How do you engage with consumers? You know, where, how does the, the money get changed hands, et cetera, the business justification, the purpose, all that stays the same, but how it gets executed is very different now. And we have to have different standards, not only to adapt to a different way of engaging, but to do so in a faster, more efficient way. Compliance can't be bureaucratic anymore. Compliance can't be where it takes us two to three weeks to review material to get it posted onto a website. It has to be you know, 24 hour or less turnaround time to get material posted to an Instagram story or, uh, you know, or to, you know, LinkedIn or to Twitter. Um, you have to think about things, not just in terms of changing the operations and changing the controls, but you have to think about how to change the time. And more importantly, you also have to think about what are the skills and resources you need on your team to be able to do that? So in the past, traditional compliance professionals had strong audit backgrounds, um, and, and things like that. And I think, you know, one of the things that we did is we hired people with strong digital backgrounds and strong data analytics backgrounds and with strong training foundation backgrounds. And we, you know, we, we changed the profile of the diversity of our team in a meaningful way that allowed us to adapt with the business 
the commercial model and the, and the medical model so that we can create new process, new controls, but also do so in a way that responds real time and, and quicker. And that's the new norm, in my opinion. And, and that's why compliance has to really adapt and grow and change. Jonathan, what do you see as the four key drivers for change in the compliance profession uh, that the profession needs to embrace? Yes, I think for me, you know, I think there's four things that we need to do uh, very, very differently. I first, first and foremost, and I know I'll sound like I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but uh, the area of data analytics, we have to make investments in areas of data analytics as compliance professionals. We have to flip that script from being um, always looking back retrospectively telling people what they did right or wrong six months, 12 months ago. And we have to be able to use this robust data we already have. We don't have to go and buy data. We have this data, sales data, financial data, um, CRM data, you know, medical information data. We have all this data, right? It's now looking at uh, the technologies and capabilities to bring that data together, standardize that data, and run the right queries or algorithms against that data that will allow us to look at outliers real time, not six months ago, real time, and allow us to use the data to be more predictive about where risk is going to be so we can actually prevent fires from occurring in the first place. That first and foremost is a must in my opinion. And it goes beyond you know, DOJ or regulatory requirements for analytics. This to me is a, is a lifeblood of the future of compliance. Um, you know, A second area for me is around operational excellence. Um, I, I think the compliance profession needs to, to evolve into not just telling the business what is broken, but helping them actually fix it. And, and that means bringing on different skill sets and capabilities around operational improvement, around process design, around controls design, around technology enablement, uh, around automation uh, process, and being able to actually be the solution provider for the business and not the solution identifier, I mean, not the problem identifier. So, you know, for compliance to be relevant and to be impactful and to earn the trust and credibility of the business. If you can solve the problem and fix what's broken, you will go a long way to being a, a, a true enabler of that business. Um, the third area is digital transformation. And we talked about this uh, briefly already. You know, the new normal is, is really going to be based upon um, how commercial organizations, even, even medical and R&D organizations are using social media, media digital platforms um, to engage customers, to engage um um, patients, etc. Um, and, and this will become, if not already, the new norm and will require a new and different set of process, controls, and infrastructure that needs to be streamlined, absent of bureaucracy, and, and fast. And that requires a new way of thinking. And I think that's going to be critical moving forward. And, and last but not least, and I know everyone's going to cringe at this one because it is to some extent going to be a budget question, but it really looks at the process automation. Um, there are tremendous developing technologies that really help automate process. And in order to cut down on bureaucracy, in order to improve cycle time and response time, in order to improve efficiency of controls, you really have to look at how you can leverage technology to automate process. And in doing so, you will be able to um, you know, reduce costs in other areas, right? We spend millions of dollars on investigations. If we can reduce the cost associated with these investigations, it will pay for itself the work that we're doing to make standard automation um, and machine learning as part of our, you know, process and controls, you know, it'll, it'll take care of, of the costs associated with that. And, you know, incident management comes down and things like that. 
and you can redistribute resources and funding the right way. But I think process automation is something that we as compliance professionals really start to need to have conversations with our IT functions about and our business partners about. Jonathan, unfortunately, we are near the end of this episode and indeed this series. I wondered if anyone wanted to follow up with you directly on any of the things you've talked about over these four episodes. So how could they do so? Uh, they can email me at jkellerman at stoneturn.com, or they can call me directly on my cell phone, 973-610-5260. I look forward to the opportunity to talk with anyone about what we're doing and how we can help. And Tom, thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity to be part of this series. It's been, uh, it's been fun, and uh, I, I enjoy the opportunity to uh, talk to your listeners. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life, and I hope you'll join us for our next episode. If I could ask you to please leave a review on iTunes, it would greatly help our rankings. Also, please consider subscribing to this podcast or any of the others on the Compliance Podcast Network. You can do so at the Compliance Podcast Network, which is www.compliancepodcastnetwork.net or the FCPA Compliance Report, which is fcpacompliancereport.com. Thanks again for listening. E-Compliance Life is a production of Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.